When youth workers ask me about the qualities they should seek to develop in their lives and ministries, there are three that I'm always sure to mention. Humility, teachability, and cooperation. Pride kills ministry. Without a determination to learn, we get horribly stale. And if we aren't working with others, we forfeit the great benefits of ministering together as part of the body of Christ. How can we intentionally position ourselves to serve Christ, kids, and families most effectively? What does it look like to be part of a ministry team where all generations learn from each other? And what are the benefits of doing youth ministry in this way? We'll talk to a multi-generational team of youth workers who are committed to carrying the youth ministry baton together on this episode of Youth Culture Matters. From the Center for Parent Youth Understanding, this is Youth Culture Matters. If you're a parent, youth worker, educator, counselor, grandparent, or anyone else who cares about kids, we're glad you've joined us for this practical, informative, and hope-filled podcast. This is a place where together we talk and think Christianly about the rapidly changing world of today's children, teens, and young adults. Well, we're back with another episode of Youth Culture Matters. I'm sitting in the studio here at uh, the offices of CPYU, the Center for Parent Youth Understanding. And no co-host today, so I'm going to invite in our, what do we call you, Chris? Our producer, our engineer, our tech uh, wizard? Yeah, that's a good question. Chris Wagner. Well, you're the co-host right now. So <laughs> for this first segment, because um, we're going to get a trio of people on in the next couple of segments to talk uh, about youth ministry, particular aspect of youth ministry. We'll get to that in just a short time. But I'm glad Chris is here. Chris keeps us... Uh, moving and working in, and it's beyond just the podcast, so many other things. So if you visit cpyu.org, he's the maintenance man on that. And um, that's not a derogatory term. I mean, you're keeping that thing going. I try to. Yeah, so thanks for doing that. So Chris, um, you've got three kids, and how how old is Owen? Owen is 10? My oldest is 10. Owen's 10, and Joey is your daughter. Joey is? She's 7. 7, and then then Andrew's 5. Yeah, so 10 down to 5, and I don't know about you and Beth if you're, like, looking at the calendar. We don't want to wish away Hmm. the years of having children, but, you know, we look at the calendar and we go, man, Owen, you know, another eight years we've got him, and he's out. He's an adult. Bad news, Chris. Bad news in the last few weeks, right? Uh, what researchers have come up with? Oh, in terms of uh, how long adolescence oh, is yeah. lasting. Oh, yeah. Sure. I don't know if you've seen that. But so so at 10 now, he's entering adolescence, which is hard <laughs> to believe because I remember being at your wedding. And then, you know, Owen comes along a couple of years later. And I can't believe, like, according to researchers now, he's he's an adolescent. And then according to researchers, great news for you. This is going to last 14 years till he's 24. Yeah, the USA Today, they come out those numbers every year about how much you spend on children from oh. 0 to 18. They're going to have to change those those yeah. figures and add a few more years to that number. Yeah, I didn't think of the economics. And um, I know we, you know, people badmouth adolescents in the adolescent period. Um, and it's a wonderful time. I mean, what a great time to shape to shape kids. But when I talk about this, I was with a group of parents last weekend and I shared this new data with them and I could see a couple of them, you know, like put their head down and start rubbing their forehead, <laughs> close their eyes, you know, as they think about it. It's not all that bad. You know, you get great time to influence. As, but as Paul Tripp says, it's just a further age of opportunity. Age of opportunity. That's right. Great book, by the way, Age of Opportunity. We love that book. Yeah. So, uh, we're going to talk today a little a little bit about how we minister to young people and even beyond that, what that means for people in youth ministry. And we're going to talk to a trio of people who are actually working to, I wouldn't say pass the baton, but carry the baton together from multiple generations of people in youth ministry. I, and they're in Canada. So I see it working really well there. What about the U.S.? You know, I'm out there with youth workers all the time. I'm getting older in youth ministry, 61 years old now. You talk to youth workers all the time. You observe them. Um, any thoughts on how we're doing here in the U.S.? Yeah, there's uh, there's there's some positive and negative things, I think, uh, in terms of 
uh, youth ministry, youth ministers working together. And, and uh, I think one of the positives is, is the, the pockets of uh, youth ministry networks that we see yes. uh, coming alongside each other, trying to learn from each other, uh, meeting regularly, praying for one another, and, and, and really trying to um, collectively uh, you know, do kingdom work rather than uh, just stay within uh, you know, the walls of their own church or community. Uh, so I think that's one of the positive signs that we, that we see. Um, so I really encourage other uh, youth workers, if they're not involved in some kind of networking, if they aren't looking for re- other relationships to lo- glean wisdom from, whether that be younger generations or older generations, yes. I definitely encourage them to Yeah, to and that's the – yeah, and what you're talking about there is the full spectrum of the body of Christ age-wise, which is Absolutely. we all need the other generations, whether they're younger generations or older. And by the way, you're mentioning networks. I know here – in Lancaster, it, it appears that there's been some great new life uh, that's breathed into the youth networks. We're actually going to have the local network meet here in the next couple of weeks, and the guys, the gals that are in that are, are doing a great job. I think that thing's really picking up momentum, and they're tied into the National Network of Youth Ministries, which, man, that, it, that organization has been around. I remember... Uh, becoming a member of that back in the mid-'80s and got some great friends who are still at it with them and running that. And we'll we'll include a link to the National Network of Youth Ministries, NNYM, uh, because that's a great place to go if you're not in a network already to find out how to network and even how to start a network or what network to get into. So that's a great organization. What about any concerns you have, any negatives? You mentioned a positive there. Sure. What about on the other side? You know, because we got to look at that. Sure. I, you know, sometimes I hear youth, especially. Uh, you know, and I don't want to you know, paint a broad stroke or anything completely negative about uh, generations, but sometimes the young youth ministries, the youth ministers uh, that I uh, see that I talk to, they kind of think they've got it all figured out themselves, and um, therefore they're not willing to. They they. They're not willing to listen to those who are older than them and, and, and uh, uh, learn some of the, you know, take in some of the wisdom that might be passed along. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know if it's a generational thing. I don't know if it's an arrogance thing. I'm, I'm not sure, you know, why that has happened, but um, that, that'd be an area of concern that I see. I just wish that um, we'd, we'd take the time to listen to our elders, yeah. if yeah. that makes sense. And I like that. I like, you know, that you talk about wisdom. Wisdom does come with age and experience. And I know I'm reading through uh, Tim Keller's brand new devotional book. I'm using that this year. Um, na- what's it? Oh, I can't remember what it's called, but, you know, nav- navigating life according to God's word. We'll put, the, we'll put the title up. I don't look at the cover. I look at the inside every morning. And um, or wisdom for navigating life, I think, or God's wisdom for navigating life. It's a great book, and when you're reading it, you realize that wisdom does come with age and experience. And in, in my own life, I say it this way, and I truly mean this: I wish I knew a quarter now of what I thought I knew, you know, when I was 25 years old in youth ministry. Um, God just has a way of whittling away at our arrogance and our pride and creating humility in us with time and the circumstances and even the horrible choices we make, which I certainly have made enough of those. So, you know, C.S. Lewis talked about this. I love this term because it really helps us understand what we're prone to, and he, he calls it chronological snobbery. And it's an argument where you think that art and science and philosophy, and I would even say ministry skills and ministry knowledge of earlier times and earlier generations is inherently inferior to that of the present. And, you know, we know better than prior generations. And I got to be honest, I mean, I have been reading in the last few years some Puritan writers and some ancient writers. And then when I compare what they're writing, uh, not just stylistically and in terms of vocabulary, but certainly content and depth of content, they've got it all over us. I mean, it is, it's amazing. Yeah, so. and, and we talk a lot, uh, one of the things, a, a big buzzword in, in youth ministry circles is intergenerational ministry. And yes. uh, people have really gotten on board, you know, across the spectrum in terms of thinking that that's a 
really great model. We, we need to work towards intergenerational ministry. And, and that's awesome. That's been a really good positive push. We also need to realize that as youth workers among ourselves, we should be uh, a part of intergenerational ministry and intergenerational um, ministry to ministers, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, um, learning we, from each other. Yeah, just if we want our students to, to do that, uh, we should be doing that in our vocations yeah. as well. Well, I've got some friends who have been doing that for a long time, and I've been watching this for over 20 years. And it's been really interesting to see this take place in a beautiful, beautiful way, not here in the U.S., but in Canada. And I know most of our listeners, if you're in youth ministry, you're very familiar with our friend Marv Penner. Marv's on associate staff here at CPYU, one of my dearest, closest friends, just a wise, wise sage in terms of youth ministry, youth ministry practice, bringing the gospel to life. And Marv has been intentionally pouring himself into uh, younger generations, you know, the generations that are coming after him. And it's been interesting to see that as he pours himself into the generation after him, that generation is is pouring itself into the next generation to come. And so they're working together. So we're going to have a conversation about what they're doing intentionally in the world of youth ministry across Canada. Uh, our guests, when we come back, are going to be my dear friend, Mark Penner, my dear friend, Sid Coop, and my dear friend, Sarah Stanley. Um, I've gotten to know all of them at some level over the years, and, and I love their spirit. I, I love you know the way that they're cooperating with each other, and I think we've got a lot to learn from them. So stick with us. We'll be back, and if you're in youth ministry, this is going to be a conversation you, you definitely don't want to miss. I'm very excited to tell you about a new resource we've just launched here at CPYU. Just Add Parents is a series of ready-to-use parent meetings that feature three 10-minute video teaching segments, each followed by a time for guided small group discussion. Youth workers, Just Add Parents is perfect for use in your parent meeting or a parent class. The teaching content is not only designed to inform parents regarding pressing cultural issues, but to equip them to respond to these unfolding realities in a gospel-centered, practical manner, all with the goal of helping you help parents lead their children into believing and behaving Christianly in today's rapidly changing culture. Each Just Add Parents Parents Meeting includes video teaching segments, PDFs of discussion questions, and other handouts. You can order Just Add Parents as either a download or on a thumb drive. I'm happy to announce that the first installment in the Just Add Parents Parent Meeting series is now available and it's titled Tech-Sensible Parenting. If you want to help your parents understand and respond proactively to kids and technology with a Just Add Parents Parent Meeting, you can learn more on our website at cpyu.org. Well, welcome back to this episode of Youth Culture Matters, and I've got uh, three pretty special people on with me today. They're all good friends from north of the border, Canada, my Canadian friends. So Marv Penner, Sid Coop, Sarah Stanley. Uh, Marv has taught me a lot over the years as a great friend. Uh, Sid has learned so much from me, and Sarah... <laughs> Here we go, huh? It's starting already. And we'll tell you more about that, right? We'll talk more about that. And Sarah has just been called by God to suffer with the rest of us, right? So that's exactly what's happening here. But uh, we're going to talk a little bit about mentoring, and we're going to talk to Mar first because we've got three generations of youth workers here. And Marv and I were talking before we went on about this great, little verse in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.2, where it's uh, Paul says to Timothy, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, you know, entrust them, entrust them to those who are younger, who will also, also be qualified to teach others. And that's why we have these guys on here. They're doing a beautiful job, a very intentional job of this up in Canada with uh, some well-organized passing of the baton and actually running the race together 
uh, several generations up there. So, Marv, tell us just a little bit about what you're doing, and then I'm going to have Sid and Sarah come in. I want I want them to say something about who they are. Uh, but first, frame the conversation for us here with what you're doing up there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I got to be honest, Walt. When you uh, when you gave that picture of running the race together, uh, I imagined me in a wheelchair being pushed by the other two down the track. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that I could actually keep up uh, anymore. Uh, but uh, but I imagine the exact same thing, but I didn't want to say it. <laughs> to answer uh, to answer your question. Uh, the, the passage that you just referenced, uh, 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, uh, is one uh, that has really shaped the way we're trying to do uh, this ministry uh, up, uh, up in, our, uh, in our relational circle. Uh, I've had the privilege of being involved in youth ministry for over 45 years. And uh, along the way, uh, I have uh, come into relationship uh, with Sid, uh, who is uh, a generation behind me, uh, and Sarah, who is two generations behind me. Uh, and, uh, and the mandate that Paul uh, gives to Timothy there, the idea uh, of um, being a steward of the things that have been learned, um, which would be um, my generation, uh, and then uh, passing those on. And the, the word he uses is faithful men and women. Uh, so to find faithful men and women uh, to whom uh, I can then pass on uh, some of the things I've learned, mostly through the mistakes that I've made in my life, uh, to help them avoid some of those mistakes if possible, uh, to pass those on to the next generation, and then uh, to become intentional about re-engaging uh, or engaging actually the, the, the third generation. And the, the reason for this uh, is so that the gospel will have a strong place from which to be shared. Uh, so, uh, you know, the way Paul says it uh, is in trust to faithful men and women who in turn will teach others. So uh, in the mentoring process, I tried to be intentional uh, about choosing people to invest in who would be faithful in uh, continuing uh, th the tradition, uh, in our case, uh, of raising up uh, godly and gifted and called youth workers across our country. Uh, and uh, we've had a ton of fun, uh, and I think a measure of uh, effectiveness, a, 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 a taste of success uh, in being able to do that. So it's really fun to be able to talk with you about it today. Well, all right, so before we get to Sarah and to Sid, um, you know, one of the things I want to say to folks who are listening is that I, I get, I've gotten over the years to interact with these folks a lot in a lot of different settings, and I love what they're doing and to be honest with you, what I love about my Canadian youth worker friends is, number one, their humility, and number two, um, their, their willingness to work together. There's a real spirit of camaraderie up there. there. There aren't the egos up there that create you know, and protect territories. And I think that's one of the elements here that we as folks in the, in the United States, especially in the world of ministry where egos seem to you know reign supreme and we jockey for position and we are elevated it's not existent there the way i mean there's egos there uh but it's not like it is here i mean i'm sure you guys have to struggle with that now that's it so i want sarah and sid i want you to do two things and let's start with sarah um you know where are you what are you doing in ministry right now and then give your age and then I want you to tell me, uh, you know, what your relationship with Marv has been over the years. And then I want you to say, Marv, just sit and listen to this. Who, who is Marv to Canadian youth workers? Okay, so we just get a sense of who Marv is, because Marv won't talk about that. So, Sarah, go ahead. And I'm glad you're here, Sarah. Oh, thanks, Walt. It's good to be here. Uh, yeah, so I'm a high school youth pastor in Kelowna, British Columbia. Been out here for about a year and a half now and was a youth pastor out in Ontario, the other side of the country before that. Uh, and so I've been working with Marvin Sid over the last few years on lots of different projects. Uh, my, yeah, so Marv knew me when I was just a wee little baby, <laughs> way, way back when. Um, but then we reconnected uh, at Briarcrest Bible College. So Marv was my prof, youthman prof at Briarcrest. Uh, and then that just really started an intentional mentorship journey uh, and friendship uh, over the years. So that was over a decade ago. 
Mm. And then Sid, um, I was connected with Sid through Marv uh, when we sort of started this uh, CYWC Canadian Youth Worker uh, Conference journey. Uh, probably, I don't know, Sid, like five, four, five years ago. Yep. Um, so that's sort of what I do and how I know these amazing men. Uh, and Marv, I mean, we, we talk a lot up here about Marv kind of being the grandfather <laughs> of youth ministry uh, and his influence across our country, the way that uh, he pours himself out uh, to support and invest in youth workers across our nation is like, I'll, we'll speak more to that, but it's the impact is far beyond uh, what can be captured in just a, a couple of sentences for sure. Mm. I noticed Sarah that um, you uh, conveniently forgot to tell us how old you were. Oh, I did. I'm Which 31. Which is interesting because you had a birthday two days ago. I did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm 31. Thanks, Mark, for that what? lovely reminder. Okay. So, yeah, we're and this will be posted after this is recorded. But what's your birthday? What's the birthday? February? 3rd. February 3rd. Okay. All right. <laughs> I thought it might be Walt's February fourth, which Walt's was made a, a note of that so he can send I know, you a gift. <laughs> no, I, I thought no, actually I'm thinking February fourth because you know that was Super Bowl. It's true. My yeah. birthday was Super Bowl. I am gonna relish this for the rest of my life because I've spent the entire beginning of my life to this point just suffering. So yeah. I still so suffer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. That's the rest funny of about this. So, Sid, tell us about tell us about you. Yeah. So I, I get to uh, I've known Marv for over twenty years now, and uh, and started uh, when I went to Briarcrest also uh, in the early nineties. And Marv invited me onto the youth quake team, and I interned under him for two years, and then that just began a mentoring relationship that that led us up to I guess it was probably close to ten years ago now. Marv, when we started talking about overlapping on certain events and that sort of thing. So Marv, at that time, was running the Canadian Youth Workers Conference as a once-a-year national event. And actually, Marv, you turned the stage over to me. You allowed me to become the MC of CYWC, which was, a, which was a real shift for me. And the other thing that you did at that time, you invited me on to what was called the Youth and Young Adult Roundtable, which was a... Um, a group of youth workers from across Canada that were doing advocacy for youth and young adult work under the banner of the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. So that was kind of an invitation into a community of youth workers who had really, I don't know, they were the pioneers of youth ministry in our country in many ways that were around that table. So that was that was incredible experience for me for sure. And then um, and and then we, uh, we uh, I moved to Kelowna to go full-time with an organization called Truth Matters Ministries that I was involved in. And Marv and I started getting much more intentional on partnering on different projects, uh, one of which uh, was the Canadian Youth Workers Conference. So it was coming to an end as a national event, and we decided together to turn it into a regional event. And at that point in time, I became the executive director of the event and um and took it over, and Marv and I continued to work, have continued to work on this journey together. But, but Marv, even when I reflect on it, like it's kind of crazy how, how you really moved just even organizationally and placed yourself in 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 the care of of our ministry, and actually entrusted in many ways, kind of your legacy and the work that you do to us, which is which is a bit mind boggling. So, uh, and then uh, and then the other part that connects really well is once we went regional and started doing these conferences across the country, um, Sarah, of course, uh, in our minds, and she would never say it, is one of our rock star youth workers in our country. Like She embodies low ego, high trust, which is a phrase that we use over and over here. Probably we use that phrase as much to remind ourselves as a need for it, as the, as the idea that we reflect it, like we just are, are striving for it. And so we, we pretty quickly then put Sarah on our stage of CYWC as our MC, one, because she's very gifted, and two, uh, because her voice, I think, is becoming more and more important um, outside of her local context uh, because of what she has to offer a little bit more broadly. So it's been fun to just kind of see this trickle effect take place. And, you know, the, Walt, the, other, the other thing that's really important, and we'll talk more about this, I'm sure, as we go, but generations are shifting so fast right now. 
that that we just made the assumption i made the assumption uh with sarah that we needed to get her into this role quicker because she had a better understanding of what was happening with this generation how to connect with them um better than i than i certainly did and i think and i think we've just had to do it faster now because the generations are changing so quick so we we need to have wisdom present that's why it's so wonderful to have marv really um investing in all the way down the generations uh but as far as connecting you know in 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 really key ways and knowing how to communicate and how to engage um again i think they're so different so quickly that it's really important to continue to to put people in those roles as soon as we can yeah uh when it's appropriate yeah okay so sid you talked about low ego high trust and i think you guys talk about that quite a bit and i think you exemplify that very well that's just a part of the Canadian youth ministry culture, and I know you have to be intentional about it. You need to continue to cultivate it. How has that, and any of you can talk about this, how has that opened uh, doors for God to really work and create uh, a youth ministry culture where youth ministry is flourishing and remaining effective and people aren't getting in the way? Uh, can I give a couple of quick examples to sure, that? Sure. Well, yeah. So I think there, there's two right now that are happening. So I think CYWC is really a, a, a vision of that reality. So we're running seven of these across the country, and in each region, we have a uh, we have a, like a host committee of different youth workers from different types of youth ministry platforms. So, so not only do we have a kind of a national community that are overseeing this experience that's intergenerational, as you've already seen with Marv. But in each region across the country, we have groups of people that are also helping with boots on the ground that are from very different organizations, et cetera, et cetera. And, and here's the point. No one's no one's making money off this thing. You know what I mean? Like this is pure kingdom initiative and everyone is investing out of their own resources. So so that already speaks of, of something that's really, I think, unique or different. And And the other thing is no one's getting famous off it either. Like that just doesn't happen here. So we have that element happening. And then, you know, we're all involved in, in research up here in Canada right now and trying to do original research. But again, um, the only way I think we can do it well is collaboratively. So uh, so we're just starting a new research project called a Young Adult Transition Research Project. There's six organizations working together on it, but we have over 40 denominations that have invested in the project already. And so again, you just see something that has traction, and has buy-in simply because people are saying, I'm going to lower my ego, I'm going to raise my trust, and we're going to do something synergistic across organizational boundaries or lines. And and you you know, and and it's it's been something really wonderful. Now, again, I think um, that Marv's generation modeled that for us first. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they had to be willing to say, um, hey, we are going to lower our ego and we're going to turn, you know, platforms over, opportunities over. Uh, we're going to give what we've raised up and entrust it to somebody else. And so we've seen it modeled that way. And by the way, Marv, the first time I heard that phrase mentioned was when we were in meetings with youth specialties at the National Youth Workers Convention with our friends, um, Andy and John McCauley. And we brought it up around there when we were sitting in that room together. I'm not sure if you That's right. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's good. I, You know, one thing I really picked up on there was I was writing this down actually before you said it, Sid, so I'm able to read your mind which is actually quite frightening. <laughs> it's actually quite frightening to me. Um, but, y- y- you know, your, the motivation is not fame and it's not fortune. Mm-hmm. Well, Walt, here's the deal. So- In Canada, as soon as we try to put that at the front end, everyone deconstructs us because we're so cynical. So you can't, you can't work off that type of a platform. And here's what's, here's what's fascinating to me. People don't realize that our ability to influence comes from trust us which takes years to build in our country but can be lost in like minutes and so you know i think that's in some ways that's really healthy for us because it forces us to this kind of high trust low ego yeah so so you have functioned in the world of uh, youth ministry as well in the u.s dare i ask you to just give us a little you know because i'm from the u.s speak to me you know what do i need what can you teach me about how to function in youth ministry and i'm 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 putting you on the spot here but I know you guys well, and I, I know the U.S. culture that I'm in for youth ministry, and I know the Canadian culture for youth ministry because you guys have been super kind to me and allowed me to be a part of that at some level. And 
you have challenged you challenge us in big ways, and I think we need to hear that because we're part of the body of Christ, and and well, I think well, there's much you can teach us. Yeah, and and let me just say this, Walt. It's been no small burden to bear for us to actually have to work with, with you. Like this isn't easy, and but we believe that God is using you in our lives to help keep us humble. So thank you for that. Right. That's yeah. Well, keep keep believing that because as a missionary to you guys, I'm glad you believe that. <laughs> I do think I do think we need to note um, that working with high trust and low ego uh, is not any easier because we're on the other side of the border. Right. Um, in some ways, uh, it's uh, it's necessary just because uh, of the way our country is strung out. You know, sort of a hundred miles high and four thousand miles wide, uh, and in order for us. Uh, to be effective in reaching the next generation uh, with the gospel, uh, we've we've had to work together. Uh, it uh, if 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 we keep kingdom purposes in mind rather than uh, you know personal outcomes and benefits, uh, as soon as we put our eye on the kingdom benefits, we recognize that there's no way it can happen unless we collaborate. But that doesn't make it any easier. Uh, you know, uh, I I struggle with my ego every single day uh, as as I step back uh, and allow the next generations to step into the spotlight. Uh, let's not fool ourselves and think uh, that uh, that somehow this is, uh, a, you know, a, a national predisposition uh, or that it's easy in any way. Um, it's an act of the will every single day. Uh, I fight my own arrogance uh, as I do it. Uh, and uh, and I know that that's true of anybody in my generation who's willing to step aside. Um, this isn't natural, and it's not easy. Yeah. So so Marv, before we take a break, speak to that a little bit more, and you know, talk to me and talk to other folks in youth ministry here who are in the over fifty crowd. Which, by the way, you know, that just thrills me that we've got people in the world of youth ministry who are sticking in there. So, you know, what's your word to us? And then after we take a break, just to give them a little bit of a heads up, I want to come back and hear from them, you know, what the different generations can offer to each other. You know, what makes it such a beautiful thing. But go ahead and talk to those of us who are over 50, Marv. Yeah, uh, I I think that um, we've got a couple of things going on. One is that those of us who are at the in in the middle of the baby boomer uh, generation, um, we didn't think that we would ever get old. We were we were the generation that decided we would be forever young, uh, and uh, and so uh, just that hurdle itself makes it hard for us to recognize uh, that uh, that we have to move aside uh, and leave room for the next generation. And I, if I can if I can make an observation, I think this happened both sides of the border. When my generation failed to get out of the way. What happened was that a generation, you know, probably the generation that's marked by Sid, who's in his 40s now, that generation, not being invited to the table, uh, basically said, well, then we're going to go and start our own thing. And my generation watched a whole generation of really sharp leaders in, who are now in their, uh, in their sort of 40s, probably. Um, they just said, we're going to go start our own thing. And so we saw the whole uh, emergent church movement starting up. Uh, we saw that generation uh, just uh, heading out uh, and deciding, if you won't let us play with you, you old guys, uh, we're going to go and, and start our own thing. Uh, and I think it created uh, a huge generational division in the church, which has been tragic and which we're still trying to repair. And I think which will go down in history uh, as as one of the great sadnesses of, uh, uh, you know, of, of current church history. We, we couldn't figure out a way for my generation to hand off well to the next generation. Uh, and, and so they said, well, all right, you know, go do your uh, consumer churches. We're going to go do something else. And uh, my generation wasn't able to, to learn uh, from the next generations. Uh, and, uh, and we probably became arrogant in our need for power. Uh, and the next generation was cut off from the wisdom and experience that my generation could have brought. And uh, uh, so the fact um, that we have sort of had our hand forced here um, to work together if we want to accomplish kingdom purposes, I mean, in, in many ways, it hasn't been nearly as intentional uh, 
uh, as it's just been necessary uh, if we wanted to see the gospel going ahead to next generations. That's good. That's good. Well, we're talking to Marv Penner, Sarah Stanley, and Sid Coop, and they are involved with passing the baton, carrying the baton together as, as multiple generations in Canada. Some great lessons to learn from them. We're going to come back and hear some more about some practical ways that we can begin to do what they're doing in Canada, in our local communities, and in the youth ministry world at large. So stick with us. We'll be right back. In an effort to help you help the kids you know and love navigate their emerging sexuality to the glory of God, we've launched a sexual integrity initiative here at CPYU. Thanks to a generous grant from a company called DAS, you can access our sexual integrity initiative and a growing number of resources for free by visiting the website at sexualintegrityinitiative.com. Welcome back, everybody, to this episode of Youth Culture Matters, a great discussion with our friends from Canada. We've got Marv Penner and Sid Coop and Sarah Stanley here, and we want to play Take 5, all right? And I don't even know if we have five questions, more or less. We'll, we'll see what we got here. And instead of shooting five at, at each of you, Sid and Sarah, Marv done, Marv's done this before, um, maybe we'll do five or six total. So... Um, and But you just answer these off the top of your head. This is just a way for people to get to know you and, and uh, have some fun with folks. So here we go. Um, okay, so let's start with this. Um, Sid, you ready? Yeah. Okay. Yep. If you could have your head on the body of an animal, what animal would you choose? <laughs> Lion. There you go. Why is that? Because maybe Is I could the hair? feel some of its hair. Yeah, that's what I thought. All right. Head. Great. Yeah. All right. That's good. I just thought that was a perfect question for you. So I thought you'd say bulldog. I didn't know. Okay. Um, how about... <laughs> how about... <laughs> All right. Here we go. Sarah, what's a Canadian food every American should try at least once that you think Americans would love? Poutine. That's it, poutine. All right, that sounds like a disease. We were just, what is it? Hey, we were just in Montreal. <laughs> we were. Ate, that was great. We had a poutine fest in Montreal. Yeah, see, and I'm talking so to Sarah. Go ahead, Sarah. Like French fries, French fries with gravy and cheese on top is like basic poutine, but then you can like do all kinds of crazy things with yeah, it. Yeah, and the cheese. Add stuff. Yeah, you don't just say cheese. You call it some other, like cheese what? What do they call it? Cheese? Is it cheese curds? Is that what they call it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a nasty word. I don't know. I just, okay. Uh, all right. Let's see. Um, Sid, what's America's most erroneous assumption about Canada? Um, uh, that it's freezing cold all the time. There you go. That we live in igloos. Okay. Uh, at least that's been your assumption all along. So I've always been trying to work you out with that process. Do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? So, yeah. How's your pet? I just assume your representative yeah how's your pet polar bear right <laughs> yeah totally sid and uh and just for folks if you want i think you probably find this like on the internet or on youtube but uh sid i think it was you and your buddies who when i was up there to teach introduced me to uh talking to americans that tv oh, yeah. show which was I, I couldn't get enough of it it was so funny so if you're from the u.s just you want to know what canadians think of americans Watch that show. It was it was brilliant, as they say in Canada, eh? Um, okay. Um, all right. Uh, okay, Sarah, here you go. Besides Sid Coop, what is one Canadian site every American should see? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Um, I would go to Banff in the Rockies. Okay. And you, you guys have all skied there, right? Every every single one of you, and I guess you've got in Kelowna, That's you've right. got quite yeah. a few places there as well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, Sid. Talk to me. Have you ever? <laughs> <laughs> Sid, have you ever had a photo taken of you that you regret? 
<laughs> no, no, well, never okay, actually. Right. Not that's even actually, yeah. that's actually, it worries me about you. And we'll put that photo up on the website with a podcast so people can see it. Um, there's this great, you know, that was photo. one of my great, that was one of my great gifts to you, Walt. That was a great gift to you. It's kept you entertained literally for a decade. Not a just decade me, now. not just me, but every time I post that photo, just to get a laugh. You know, all your Canadian friends, all your Canadian friends just, they love it. They weigh in with yes, likes. That is the yes, best thing do. I've ever done it on does, social media. It does capture it actually, I trust low ego, like in a photo, if you were to capture it. 100%. Yeah. And, and the whole team, as soon as, as soon as you start working, the whole team is like, oh, Walt got the photo again. Yeah. And by the way, I didn't realize what an expert you were at Photoshop. <laughs> like, you are good at that stuff, Walt. I didn't realize that 50% of your job time was in Photoshop work. That was fascinating to me. I love that. Three minutes. You talking about those photos I put up a couple weeks ago? <laughs> that was three minutes every hour. All right. <laughs> All right, uh, Sarah. Well, I'll, here's the last question. I'll ask this for, for both of you. And uh, here's a question. Who is your favorite professor ever that you took a class from <laughs> at Briarcrest? And, and you don't have to think. I'll just help you here. You don't have to think about a whole bunch of classes, just one class. Just one class. You just choose one class. Favorite <laughs> professor. Uh, definitely. Oh. Definitely. Oh, well. There was this guy, Walt Mueller, unbelievable. Yes, like, I, I think God used that. him. I got saved in that class, Sarah. It was unbelievable. Like, I know. The, yeah, it was powerful. The angels were there. It well, was wonderful. Awesome. He did this altar call. I can stop praying now. It was beautiful. Really, really, really. I, I did set you up with that, but I know who you have to say for this. Because who ran the youth ministry program up there, right? <laughs> they, they've Mark. chosen you, Walt. Just accept it, and okay. we'll be fine. All right. Okay. Good. You know what? I just keep every day I wake up. If if only I could be more like Walt. I got this great band. It's WWWD. What would Walt Mueller do? It's just unbelievable. It's great. You left an yeah. initial out there. I just processed that. You didn't do that right. All right, know, let's get back to the, the conversation. Is, the problem is, Walt, that you were handing those bands out in class. So oh. I'm always thankful for you. you yeah, gave I me should one say, one, uh, and this brought me, I'm going to be serious now. This brought me great joy that uh, probably, how many times, Marv, did you have me up there to teach? Six, seven, I think? Oh, at least at least six or seven yeah, times and you it came was up just, to teach, It Walt. was just awesome, the students up there and. You know, the fact that, uh, well, I had Sarah in class, and the fact that uh, I had Sid in the same class three times, that was quite impressive. <laughs> that, so, and, you know, look, I'll say this, Sid, just because we're having fun here. You know, it, it, Sid's a part of our um, uh, Ministry to Emerging Generations, our Doctor Ministry program at Gordon-Conwell Seminary. And um, we drew straws. We do it every with every cohort, and uh, I I'm mentoring Sid. It's been <laughs> it's been just awesome between Duffy and Adonis and myself. So yeah, no, it's been great well, to I have Sid what, up Walt, there. It's been a real blessing. Walt, I've loved the mentoring process so much that I'm just extending it. So yeah. I'm planning to make sure this course lasts about ten to fifteen years. Yeah, so you've done just all your coursework. Now you got it right. Okay, good. <laughs> All right, so we want to come back to the topic at hand. We're talking about what's happening up there in Canada. I know we need to watch our time because uh, Sid has to get somebody to school, right? You, you'll let us know. Uh, it's, so Marv said, great, great thought. Let's, let's talk to Sarah a little bit about um, what's making this work and the benefits to her. Did you want to clarify that any more, Marv? Set that up a little no, bit. I, I think um, I think that because she has the uh, the the perspective from which she can see a couple of generations operating, um, you know, she she might have a view of this that we're blind to. Mm. You're up, Sarah. All right. Um, you know what? It's been a fascinating journey and one that I feel. I mean, our, I speaking kind of on behalf of our whole team that's been invited into this process and this journey, uh, every day feel humbled to be part of it. Uh, it was one of those things where when I know we were kind of in the youth ministry program at Briarcrest or wherever we were, you know, different, different ones of us across the country. Um, 
whether it was taking a course with Marv or Walt when you would come up or seeing uh, Sid and Marv kind of take leadership of the, the conference when it was on a national level. Um, my generation, I think, was very much just like sitting back and like taking it in and wanting just to learn and just soak in everything we could. So for me, when I was invited into that, um, every step of the way, I think I've just been blown away. I don't think um, there was, and I don't know if this was because maybe for your gener generation, Sid, it was, that baton wasn't always handed down in the same way that maybe my generation didn't expect that it would be. So I think every time that, that for me, I've been invited to, whether it was Marv being your TA at Briarcrest, right, and feeling totally unqualified, but so excited to just dive into that and um, humbled that you would entrust me with that responsibility to being invited to be part of a team that was going to speak into and help shape what these conferences were going to look like um, in the midst of like stumbling along on our own youth ministry journeys and figuring out what it meant to be youth workers uh, and to love students and to get to do that in the context of community. Uh, I think when when I think about the the high trust, low ego conversation, um, that has been something that has been both modeled, um, that we've seen Marv and Sid and, you know, anyone at that level of leadership just live out uh, at a distance. And then, so yes, the modeling of it. And then it's been really clear for those of us that have been invited into the process as a younger generation, that, that this is the type of leadership and community that we're fostering. So it hasn't been accidental. It hasn't been just modeled and like, hopefully we'll pick it up. It's been, it's been verbalized. It's been very clear that this is, this is the type of leadership that, that we're striving towards. And that actually we believe Jesus models for us and calls us to, um, and is going to be the most effective for what God wants to do in his kingdom. Because ultimately it's not about, I mean, yes, like there's, like Marv said in the same way, I think that he has to wrestle with like setting aside ego as he passes the baton. Um, as a younger generation, we have to do the same thing when we are given positions of leadership um, to say, yeah, it's not, it's not about inflating our egos as a younger generation either. Um, there's, there's a great amount of humility that goes with that. And I, and I think um, for me, I think a, an idea of just really feeling the, the need to steward that opportunity then. Right. And then even now, as I, start to become not the youngest generation starting to think about what that looks like to who am I now going to start inviting into that journey and into that process. Um, so that that's something that continues. Sarah, I love how you, you phrase it as you talk about this as a privilege, you know, it's not a hassle like you're in the on deck circle, but it's a privilege. You're embracing it as that. What would you say to others in your generation from what you've learned? And you've hit some of this, but what would you say in terms of, um, you know, two or three things you'd say to them, like, like take advantage of mm. with older folks? Yeah. 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 Um, I think, lean, like, this is something I've learned so much from Marvan said, both, both in that when there are opportunities where – I mean, they've trusted us with way more than they ever should have. Uh, and there have been so many opportunities where, to be totally honest, they, if they were to have continued leading or, or you know, being up front in, in moments where they have instead chosen to pass the baton, um, we've figured that out in a way that's been stumbling and not as effective or efficient or um, polished maybe as, as they would. And yet they've, out of a spirit of just wanting to invest in us and pass that baton and mentor, uh, done that with an incredible amount of intentionality and humility. Um, so I think I'm always reminded a of just what a, yeah, like you said, what a privilege it is B, um, not to miss those opportunities to learn and to ask for feedback and to never assume, uh, or to just kind of take it. And I, I love the, the concept of running the race together. I think that's been the biggest gift is that it, it actually hasn't felt just like a passing of the baton. And, and now I've got this baton and I have no idea what to do with it. Um, there's been so much intentional coaching and mentorship and running alongside. And so for my generation to, to not take the baton and not look back, right, but to actually embrace this running alongside of and asking questions and leaning into and recognizing 
as a younger generation, we don't have it all figured out. Um, but there's incredible wisdom and leadership that we actually have the privilege of having access to and learning from, um, especially when we've got like godly, humble leaders to look to and to learn from and to do ministry with. And so the running the running the race with intentionally and inviting into that. That's good. Sid, how about you? How are you doing on time? Yeah, I'm fine, actually. Okay. Hey, t- fine. listen, just tell your tell Peyton and Cole, no school today. Yeah, Uncle, Walt, Uncle Walt said, <laughs> Eagles won the Super Bowl, no school. I te- I'm texting them, Champlain Mueller says that they're good to go, so no worries there at all. Yeah. Um, hey, Walt, can I just speak uh, yes. quickly to this idea yes. uh, of the generation thing? Uh, two things that I think are important to to kind of acknowledge and, and be aware of a little bit. We're talking for us. We talk a lot in the context of of like a national platform that we're working with, and so we've passed off stage time. We've passed off opportunities at kind of a broad level. But but this actually isn't just about that. One of the dangers is I think that we define passing the baton off or moving from generation to generation simply in terms of platform opportunity you know what i mean which yes. which is actually the opposite of low ego high trust and and we don't we want to be careful that that's not what we're looking for like i used to have people come to me and say hey why won't they give us opportunity and i was always kind of i didn't really understand where that came from why are we owed this opportunity at a platform and what's motivating the desire for that this needs to be an ethos of the way we do life and i think we need to look for it in the in the mundane or normative moments of ministry life, then it's real, then it's authentic, then it's about the kingdom, not about our egos or or about um, what you know these 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 opportunities to progress and move forward in the industry of youth ministry. So I think that's a real danger we have to be aware of. The other thing I think that's very interesting in the transition from generation to generation is, in many ways, my generation became aware of the fact that maybe I don't want to say for the first time necessarily, but Sarah's generation has more knowledge and understanding of some of the platforms that that give credibility to what we're trying to do than we did. So for instance, they understand technologies, they understand social media, they understand all these things that that are valued in our in our culture better than what we do. And and so there was a, you know there's also this a, what what the danger with that I think is that we can perceive that to equal wisdom and that's not always the case but we you know we might pull ourselves out quicker because we we don't feel like we have something to offer when that's not the case at all and my generation i think one of our great losses is that we became infatuated with youth with younger and didn't value the wisdom of those who are gone before us as much and didn't think we needed it and and now i think we're in a detriment as a result of it to be honest with you Mm. so Sid, so I think those are some dangers that go with that. Yeah, just to follow up on that. So in terms of valuing the wisdom of the older, what are some practical ways that you would instruct younger youth workers, your generation, Sarah's generation, the next generation to come? You know, what what should oh. they take advantage of? Some practical things they can do to tap into wisdom and to learn. Yeah, well, here's one of the fascinating things. We had a youth worker come to us, Jen and I, when we moved into a new community and just said, I don't believe that people over the age of 40 can do youth ministry anymore. Like, you don't know how, you don't have the ability or the skill. And, and so we just had an opportunity to sit down a while later and, and just begin to walk through some issues. Like, you know, when we had a young person um, who was transitioning in our youth ministry and the problems that were happening at home, and, and when she came and said, what cabin do I stay in our retreat? And I simply asked the question, I said, hey, how do your 19-year-old volunteer youth workers process those types of issues? Like, that's that's a complex issue that requires understanding of parenting and all that kind of stuff. So so I think we have to mix. We have to get more older and younger together in our ministries. I think we have to listen and learn from each other, allow ourselves to work in our strengths. I think that that's, that that's really, really important. We need to just remove uh, some of that arrogance that I think comes along with it. I have to do that very much. And and really, um, I, think, I think one of the values that, that Marv taught to me, and I think that our young, our younger leaders like Sarah embody so well, is this disposition of always learning. Like, like if we can have an attitude that says God has something to teach me in whatever environment I find myself in, mm-hmm. um, then I think that I, I, I think that we can, um, 
not only will we be able to access the wisdom of those who have gone before us, but we'll seek it out and, um, and we'll, we'll be discerning in the journey as well. So, yeah. so I think that's really, really important. But practically speaking, let's walk with. Like, you know, let's invite them into our journeys in the ministry places we are. And let's, let's listen, let's hear. And, and, um, and I think those are just, you know, that's what we need to continue to yeah. do. All right, I'm watching the time here. Because I know uh, Marv's got to catch a flight, and um, you, you know you got to get your kids to school. But I want to follow up on one thing with you, Sid. Then I want to go back to Marv because he's been very quiet here, and I've noticed that because that's part of what you're talking about. He's just sitting back and letting you guys roll with this, which is wonderful. I can see him there. I don't even know if he's awake anymore, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, oh, he's awake. Yeah, there he's waving. So he's waving. Um, but here, hey. yeah. What do you want to well, say? Well, here's one of the things that Marv has always done, and this is about us putting in our place where we can learn the best. So Marv has done a great job of observing me, and then in the right moment comes down and sits down and goes, Sid, let's um let's talk about something together. I'd like to process something that I've just seen. And there's this gentle um, accountability, teaching, con- confronting that's been an incredible gift to me. And I think one of the things I would say to older generations, like make sure we affirm, make sure we exhort. That's wonderful. Give opportunity, but also like um, speak truth and confront and shape when the hard conversations and our generations, the younger generations need to invite that. We need to welcome that and invite that as a way of God shaping us. And I don't think Mm. we do nearly enough of that. I love that. I love that. So just real quick, Sid, one thing Um, I wrote this down as you were talking is the baton uh, a passport to the platform and a following, or is the baton about learning ministry skills and just being satisfied with where God has you? Yeah, I think my gen. Uh, I, I'm always hesitant to speak for quote unquote my generation. I think you know my struggle was like we assumed the baton was a platform uh, or a passport to a platform. I love that language, Walt, and that's so not of the kingdom. That's yeah. just not of the kingdom. We have to be. We have to understand that the moments God gives us are equally significant wherever we are, and we're simply called to be faithful in the moments that we've placed and steward it. And if God wants us to work outside of our local context, my experience has been that He generally uses the community to actually call people out to those roles. But there should always be a sense enough of a desire to move back to something local, and, uh, and that just helps me see this as a role of stewardship yeah. and just hold an open hand. So good, mm-hmm. so good. Marv, last word. Give us some give us some sage wisdom here, you know, as you've sat back and you've listened to this. And I, Marv, you've spoken into my life. You've been a great friend, wonderful friend. We have the kind of relationship Sid's talking about here, you and I do, and I know how much you value, because I've heard you pour out your heart about these two and all the other young leaders there in Canada that you are mentoring, and you love those folks. Um, help the rest of us understand a little bit about how to how to seek this and make this happen in our local ministries. Yeah, I think uh, I think what we need to to recognize is that these instructions that we've been given in the Scripture uh, as generations to step aside and create opportunities for the next generation are actually intended to create the most joy in us. To be honest with you, after 45-plus years of youth ministry, there is nothing that gives me greater joy, and I mean like legitimate, visceral exhilaration, uh, than uh, to see the next generation stepping into the spotlight and doing so humbly but with incredible excellence. Uh, with that teachable spirit that both Sarah and Sid talked about, with that invitation for feedback. And so I'm in a place in my ministry right now where I can um, attend uh, these events where uh, these young leaders are, uh, are excelling, uh, and, uh, and I can watch uh, with a sense of, of profound satisfaction uh, knowing that things are in good hands. Uh, and so uh, even now, you know, I'm I'm getting toward the last um, inning of my of my ministry life. I still have the freedom to initiate all sorts of creative, uh, energetic, uh, new ideas because I know that I don't have to complete them. 
I can uh, I can I can feel free to stay as creative uh, and as innovative as as my age allows me, knowing that I've got a couple of generations that are backing me up so that if I launch a new initiative, you know, which uh, we're in the middle of doing right now, an exciting new initiative um, that I don't have to worry about my age being a factor in finishing that up because I know uh, that there are a couple of generations that are standing by willing to take up um, this idea and follow it through. Uh, and uh, the freedom that, that that gives me to stay creative, um, you know, to stay open to God's direction uh, has been unbelievably freeing uh, and has probably led me uh, to what is now the, the, the most joyful season of my ministry ever. Uh, so, um, you know, Opening your hand and giving up power uh, actually, um, you know, can lead to, to great joy and freedom. Uh, certainly has for me. Mm, that's good. Great word. That almost like puts a lump in my throat when I hear you say that because there's so much in that, just about you and about everybody else. That's that's really really meaningful. Would you just before we knock off here mention what that new initiative is because it's part of what we're talking about right now and I'm pretty excited about it. I think you guys have crafted something wonderful and all three of you as I understand it are involved in it. So yeah, that's true. Um we uh, we want to rethink the way um people are trained for vocational youth ministry. Uh, we know that the the traditional formal classroom journey uh, has been really effective in positioning people over the years. Uh, but we're living in a new generation now where uh, experiential integration or experiential immersion has to be the way that we train people for these competence vocations. Uh, and so God's given me a vision. I've, I've been stewarding it for the last decade or so uh, of, of launching an apprenticeship-based youth ministry training program uh, and, uh, of course, you know, this is something that's going to take five or six years to get up and running, probably more time than I have. So just to show you how this works, uh, when this vision began to be formed in me, I immediately sat down with Sid, who is my next generation, and said, Sid, if, if I launch this, if I use, um, you know, the, the capital of trust that I have with people across the country, uh, with academic institutions, with denominational leaders, if I leverage that to start something new and audacious and risky, will you be willing to go on the journey with me uh, so that um, when I run out of steam here, you can pick this thing up uh, and, and run with it? Uh, and so we determined that the best way to do that uh, would be to position um, this new initiative under Sid's ministry leadership already. Uh, and so while I may be the one with the vision uh, and the structure and some of the relationships that we have to make this work, uh, I've already positioned it so that Sid uh, can, uh, can step in with his organization and a new generation of young leaders uh, to, uh, to keep running it uh, after, I, after I hand it off. And then Sarah uh, who is in uh, a local church context as a respected leader, uh, becomes one of the mentors for our young apprentices uh, who are stepping into ministry. So now we're seeing four generations uh, that are working together to, um, to, to, to rethink and re-engineer uh, our vocational youth ministry training paradigm. Uh, we're doing it across the country here and hoping uh, that, uh, that we can even have some folks from the U.S. join us uh, as part of this apprenticeship program, uh, we've uh, we've called it the Coalition for Youth Ministry Excellence, uh, which even in its name talks about our commitment to collaboration. Uh, and uh, we're excited to see where this thing's going to take us over the next mm -hmm. years for as long as I have energy. Uh, and when I don't anymore, for me to know with confidence uh, that Sarah and Sid's generation uh, are willing to take it up and run with it into the future. Beautiful. And, and uh, you get to teach in it, Walt, and we're real excited that yeah. your wisdom will be available to the young leaders uh, who are part of that program. Thank you. And, and I'm looking forward to that, especially having Sid a fourth time. It'll be awesome. <laughs> Maybe you can get through it this time, Sid. We'll hope. You know what I love about this conversation? I mean, I, I get to see you guys. People are listening, and I'm telling you, it's more beautiful to see than to hear. 
just a relationship between these three friends of mine. And I'm going to walk away from here really thinking about um, gentle, intentional, grace-filled transitioning as opposed to, you know, wrestling for power between generations. And I just think that's a beautiful thing. So thank you. That's a great contrast, Walt. Yeah. I just, well, that's what I'm hearing you, you. And I'm seeing this. I'm seeing this happen. I see both those things happen, and what I see is the is the uh, you know the former with you guys, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So, so uh, thank you, Sid. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Marv. We're going to have you back on uh, at some other point as well. And I want to remind folks: if you're not listening through the player on CPYU.org, listening to the Youth Culture Matters podcast, there. Go to that page, and everything that these guys have mentioned, uh, whether it be churches, books, um, you know, websites, whatever, we'll include links to all of that, so you can see that there. And as an extra added bonus, Chris, I'm going to have you put that picture of Sid up because that just is—it's just beautiful. Um, It's—it's it's just an incredible photo. And uh, I actually was speaking for Sid, right, in Lethbridge. Was that where we were? And I right. No, before, well, you were doing it in, in Saskatoon. Oh no, it was. Oh, it was Saskatoon. Well, where that picture hung? I thought it was in your church. Oh, that one was in my church. Yeah, and I was speaking yeah. in Lethbridge, and, 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 and yeah. I, I ran to the restroom before I got up to speak. And there's all these pictures of the pastoral staff on the wall, and I stopped dead in my tracks. And I mean, it was like seeing a burning bush or something. It's it's indescribable. It's just a beautiful, think, beautiful. Glamour shot. I think the part the part that I, I appreciated so much was you you chose to mock it from the stage, and understandably so. And that was such a gift to the photographer that took the picture, who was running the soundboard while you were speaking that evening. So yeah, that I didn't just, care. I didn't care. Wonder. It was worth every bit of it, just because I can't believe the man took that picture. So, well, thank you guys for thank you for being on here, and. Um, Again, visit the visit the website cpyu.org and you'll you'll see all the links. Thanks guys, and uh, we'll be Thanks, back man. back with the rest of you on the next episode of Youth Culture Matters. Thanks for joining us for Youth Culture Matters, a podcast from the Center for Parent Youth Understanding. If you'd like to learn more about today's youth culture, visit our website at cpyu.org. And if you have any questions, comments or feedback, email us at podcast at cpyu.org.